0: God has a method for building faith in us. He has a method. Sailors do not learn how to sail on smooth seas. They learn how to sail in storms. And God has to bring storms into your life so that you'll trust Him and then you watch Him, what He does. You may be disappointed in a lot of things in life. But you'll never be disappointed in God. Not if you give Him a chance. Not if you trust in Him. Not if you wait upon the Lord. Maybe one of the bigger, most mature things that's hard to grip and grasp is being willing to let God have some time. Miracle space. Time to do His work. We so much want everything like McDonald's, you know, fast food. Boom, 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 give it to me. If God doesn't answer my prayer, He's not gonna answer my prayer. Yes, he is. My mother used to tell me all the time: God will always answer your prayer, son. Yes, no, wait. Oftentimes it is wait. Time with God's not like time with us. His ways are not our way. They're above us as the heavens are above us, and we're not gonna the two aren't gonna meet. And so let me go over a few things tonight. Hopefully I can pull this off and help you out. I'll start out with a verse that you may think is a little bit of strange. But let me, let me, as I get around to it, maybe it'll all make sense. What is the essence of war? What is the essence of war? You have Ukraine right now that Russia is trying to take over. They disagreed on something, didn't they? They had disagreements about whether to join NATO. I know they were talking about joining NATO, and that made Russia uneasy. And then uh, there were some other disagreements. Eventually they couldn't settle their disagreements, and so they went to war. The essence of all conflict or the essence of confusion. Well, it starts with the thing called iniquity. For the rebellion, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity. Notice he doesn't mix up sin and iniquity are two different things. Sin and iniquity are different. And iniquity is related, uh, brother or sister, to idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, uh, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Talking to Saul there. Saul, what was Saul's problem? He just wouldn't do it God's way. He kept doing it his way. His way was better than God's way. Or was it? But isn't that really what you're saying? When God says to do something a certain way and you say, I don't like it that way, I think it's better this way, you're saying that you know more than God, better than God, and that's why it's called idolatry. Idolatry is simply replacing God with something else. That's all idolatry is. You can replace it with a statue, you can replace God with money, you can replace God with fun, you can replace God with sin you can replace him but it's an idolatrous still it's replacing god with something else and so let me let me give a, a few of these as by way of introduction so what is iniquity harmony is when there is no is, is one will so in the beginning god created adam and eve put them in the garden there was one will they were they were tilling the garden they had it made phenomenal Unbelievable, wonderful time. But God put a test there, didn't he? He said, now there's a tree there that I don't want you to touch. Don't, don't eat. He, he, he could touch it. He never said, now, as far as I know, he never said he couldn't touch it. Personally, I think that'd be dangerous. But he, said, he just said, don't eat it. Satan came in and just and always what he does is skew what God says. He uses some truth to legitimize what he says. They say humor is exaggerated truth. If humor has no truth, it's not funny. It's only funny if it has some truth and it's exaggerated. And so that's what he uses, the truth that God had, and he added his own will. Really, before even man was created, you had God and all his created angels, and there was total harmony until Satan came up with his own will. Now you got two wills, God's will, Satan's will. And then God created man in the garden. You had, you had uh, God's will, man's will were the same, and then you had Satan's will. And Satan tempted man to go off on his own will. So now, then that created God's will, man's will, and Satan's will. And that creates division. Conflict is when there are two wills, any more than two wills in, in a room. Churches, it's an amazing thing that churches function at all. It's all chiefs and no Indian. But yet we've submitted the only reason we survive is we've submitted our will to God's will and his word. And the closer that we keep our wills to God and his word, the better we get along. I, I just heard recently of a church split up in North Fort Myers, and it's just a it's just a, a, a cesspool. Of carnality, of, of of I'm right, you're wrong. No, I'm right, you're wrong, and it just gets and it just is a down spiral. I've had occasion in my in my whole life. My wife and I did not start any of them. But We joined a church. We didn't know anything about it. And there was uh, two, three weeks there'd be a church split. I, you know, Wednesday night somebody gets up and says I call a meeting. A fisherman. When you got to start quoting the Constitution, you're in trouble. But anyway, they they, they split, so we'd go to another place and was there a little bit while, and pretty soon they split. And then we went to another place, and they split. So I had uh, an occasion to be not involved in, but to be witness to the carnality of three church splits. And one thing I asked God, and I was young, I was in my 20s at that time. I asked God, I said, please, please allow me to get away from that spirit, that whole spirit. Please don't let this. Just let me get into a place where there's harmony and where there's where there's a will to serve God, and we have we have harmony. So separation comes because of two wills in conflict. Now, maybe some of the best marriage counseling you ever heard in your life, and I said that the other day. There has to be one will in the marriage. Has to be one will. I had a woman want me to marry her, and she says, uh, I believe in a 50-50, 50-50 uh, marriage. The oh, next killing me tonight, I'll tell you what. I believe in a 50-50 marriage. I said, there's no such thing. It will not work. It cannot work. A house divided against itself will fall. There has to be a will. That means there has to be a head. Well, God said the husbands are the head of the home, and the wives to be in submission. Submission to what? One will. He's talking about having harmony. Now that doesn't mean you always got to believe that that head of the house is right all the time. They're not right all the time. They have all kinds of troubles. They're humans. They struggle. But ultimately for this, the Bible says a foolish woman, that is a moronic woman, pulleth her house down with her own hands. How she do that? She keeps creating two wills. Can two walk together lest they be agreed? Amos chapter 3, verse 3. No. Two wills mean eventual separation. So when Adam and Eve uh, took a separate, independent will of God, what did it do? One of the first things that happened is separation. They knew that they were naked. They tried to hide themselves away from God, separated. They met with him every evening, he had a good time with him, fellowship with him. First thing was alienation. First thing that happened, alienation. And look, Imagine with me all the suffering that has happened since then to now. The agony. The Bible says the world's groaneth and travaileth in pain, even unto now. And the world really, for the most part, is not jolly. They're in pain. All kinds of pain. Different kinds of pain. Pain brought about by the curse. Pain brought about by sin. And it goes all the back to this thing called iniquity. Iniquity, which I'm going to try to get across tonight a little bit. So the essence of it, of conflict. Can two walk together Let's they be agreed? The answer, of course, no. Uh, iniquity is simply not doing your own will. Over God's will, obviously. It is related to idolatry because it puts your will over God's most important. I don't think I've got a... Th- another slide do I, uh, yeah maybe I do so God's method is explained well I hope so <laughs> so let me give you some examples of iniquity have you ever heard that old song do your thing do what you want to do I can't tell you Well, that's as far as I gotta go The devil's preaching iniquity. Do your thing. That's iniquity. It can be. It can be iniquity. If it's especially separate from what God wants you to do. In harmony. Uh, There's one bumper sticker I saw back in the 60s that said question authority. That's great. That's just great. Now, authority's not always right. Don't get me wrong. Authority can be wrong. But the whole idea of question of authority it just creates more inequity and more inequity and more division. And what's the big cry we hear on the TV today? If you watch TV, which I don't, if you hear it, that America's really divided more than we've ever been divided. Well, I will say amen and amen to that. I'm not sure we can exist a whole lot longer in the, in the condition we're in. Why? Because we're so deeply divided. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? No. They're talking words like civil war and stuff like that. You know, you hear that on mentioned on YouTube. You we mention, well, we're right on the edge of civil war. Well, I suppose before the civil war, they knew they were close to civil war. You know, they knew it. The disagreement between the North and the South had grown so deep. And really, it was about states' rights. And this could also be raised up right now if the democratic have, system gets uh, control and tries to force their mannerisms on Florida. Florida could say, we're not going to obey the federal government. And that's the beginning of civil war. That's exactly what happened in South Carolina. And it was declared. They thought it would be over three, four months. Bigger than they realized, isn't it, when people fight for their homes. But God's methods explained here. Let me go ahead and see if I got it. God will give you, oh, yeah, I'm not quite there yet. So I'm ahead of myself. All right, before I get there, I want to give you some examples of iniquity. It was iniquity. In Sodom and Gomorrah that caused the final condemnation of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's according to Genesis 19, chapter, chapter 19, verse 5. It was iniquity that the brothers of Joseph, Joseph confessed before him in Genesis chapter 44, verse 16. He said it was their iniquity. They had wanted to do their own thing. They hated their brother. It was iniquity of the fathers that God will visit upon the children if they do not repent, according to Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. Yeah, it is stubbornness that is called iniquity in 1 Samuel 15, 23, which I just read up on the screen. It was iniquity that David did in numbering the people without God's specific orders to do that. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 10. You remember when he wanted to number the people? You know how many people died because of what he said? And I've had people tell me, that wasn't that big a problem, numbering the people. What's the big deal? It wasn't God's will. He didn't want David to rely on the number of warriors he had. He wanted him to rely on God. and it was a violation of trust, and it was part of really David's iniquity. Here's what David said, and David's heart smote him after he had numbered the people, and David said unto the Lord, "I have sinned greatly and that I have done now, and I beseech you, Lord, take away the iniquity." of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. Iniquity is a is an act of the will separate from where God is, which oftentimes will drive you, of course, into sin. It was the iniquity of my sin that David confessed to God in Psalm 32, 5. He said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. Notice he separates sin and iniquity. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not had. Two different things. Two different subject. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Thou forgavest us the iniquity of my sin. It was again in Psalm 51 verse 2 that David separates iniquity and sin. He says, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. It was iniquity that will separate me from God. It's according to Psalm 66 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not Hear me, separation, separation. You want to know why God doesn't answer your prayer? Sometimes you're not doing His will. He says we know that He hears us if we do His will. In First John, I think it's chapter five. We have this confidence that He'll, that we pray. But you got to be in His will. If your son was lying and you knew he was lying, you wouldn't intentionally bless him for lying, would you? How much more, would, if we know, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more shall our Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? How much better a Father is God than we are? If we don't want to enable a child that's stealing, or a child that's lying, or a child that's got a wrong concept of life, how much more, less would God, or more would God, either way you want to put that, uh, not want to enable us in our way of thinking if it's wrong? Y'all follow me on that. a quiet. It's iniquity. It's iniqu- it is destruction that will come to the workers of iniquity according to Proverbs 21.15. It is joy to the just to judgment have judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. Rebellion is simply doing your own thing in disregard to what is God's thing. Anarchy, God forbid, God forbid we ever have anarchy. Anarchy is simply many groups of people doing their own thing. Right now, Haiti is given over to anarchy. I heard recently it's as bad as it's ever been. There are the gangs control the port, the port of entry at Port-au-Prince. They control the port. Gangs control the gasoline. Gangs control, the, not all the same gang, different gangs and these gangs war against each other, and and you get all this, uh, what is all that? That's really God cursing you. It's been said bad government's better than no government. Because no government, everybody rises up, there'll be a group here in south southwest Florida, they'll say, okay, you do it according to what we tell you. Then there'll be a group over there in LaBelle saying, no, you do it according to what we tell you. And if you want to travel from here to Miami, there'll be three groups you've got to go through and pay them a certain amount of money or they won't let you travel on the road, on an interna- interstate commerce, gone. Depression, coming. Trouble, coming. Starvation, coming. That's just not that far away as it may seem if iniquity has its way in people. Um, in God's sovereignty, he has allowed man to have what he calls a free will and our ability to make choices. But he holds us responsible and accountable for the choices we make. That's going to be part of your judgment. As a born-again believer, of course, the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be judged for the things done in your body, whether they be good or bad. What decisions you made with what light you had. I mean, obviously, he's not going to ask you, to do something you never knew about or didn't have a knowledge about, but what you have knowledge about, you will. You people that have been in church your whole life, imagine what you're going to be held accountable to. Woo! You've read the Bible through 10 times, 15 times, 20 times, 30 times. That increases our accountability. Now, you should, obviously, want to obey what you read, right? It makes you more serious about it because if you don't, you have a sense of iniquity. The gospel call to the world is really a call to come into harmony with God, His will. Consequently, peace and tranquility will be the result. Nothing runs well without harmony. Anything that spins very fast must have harmony. Uh, They call an engine a harmonically balanced motor. They have to take the two things that spin and balance them equally so it doesn't shake like, you know, that I had a Harley, a shaker, which was not harmonically balanced well. I never liked it. I wanted the one that had, a, that was an A motor. I wanted the B motor. The B motor was harmonically balanced, and that was like nice and quiet. But for some reason, there's a whole group of people want that motor that shakes, and I think they're crazy, <coughs> but they like it. If you have a tire that bounces, you get rid of it. You have a wash machine we had a washing machine here a while back, went out of control, self destruct. Self destruct. So now anybody that uses that wash machine has to be there when a spin cycle goes on. That's my new rule. You have to be here when a spin cycle goes on, because when the spin cycle goes on, if you're not here and that's self destruct, it's a thousand bucks. You know, you're not, not, nobody's going to be able to use that if you're not able to sit there during the spin cycles. Yeah, but we didn't have that before. We lost the machine. It can happen. It can happen to your house. Do you do laundry? Do you, do, do you put things in the washer and leave? Shame on you. Shame on everyone. Here. But you're paying for it. The only reason I say you can do that is yours. You want to destroy your stuff, I'm good with it. But you can't destroy somebody else's stuff. And so if, if I have a rule in my house, I have a lot of rules in my house. One rule in my house is we don't ever leave the wash around while somebody being in the house. Me, it wouldn't do any good because they couldn't hardly hear it. It must be Kathy. So Kathy, if she does a load of laundry, it has got to be somewhere in the house to listen to it. So, because sometimes it gets out of balance. And that thing—if you've watched YouTube—they do experiments on YouTube where they misbalance them, put them on a spin, and just watch. I mean, the metal flies off of them, and they just like—they just self-destruct those things, you know. And and the newer ones are worse than the old ones. The old ones only didn't spin real fast. The new ones, man, they spin about sixteen hundred RPMs or so. And they will—if you've got one of them front end—they will just really go wild. I mean, it's great. Watch YouTube; you'll enjoy it. But your tires, you won't you ever buy a tire. I bought a set of tires, go down the road. First thing I do with a set of tires is try to get on an I-75 and go sixty-nine mile an hour, because that speed at sixty-nine mile an hour is some sort of a harmonic speed that if you're gonna have a misbalanced tire, it's gonna sit there and do that. I cannot stand going down the road with my steering wheel going like this. I will I will get rid of the vehicle. I'll do whatever I gotta do, but that thing's gotta be smooth. And so when I buy tires now, I make the man who sells them to me guarantee me that if these bounce, I'm not coming back for you to rebalance them. You had your chance. You're going to rip them all off and put brand new tires on us the first time I come back. Because they'll run you through three times. Oh, let me try to balance them again. I've been through that. Let me try to balance them again. And the third time of your time, uh, I still it really will mount you. the tires were out around. They never were around. They never were going to be balanceable. They're putting two pounds on one side of it. You know, it comes off. I'm helping you now. And so just go in there and demand the best. You'll pay for it. But you'll be, I've never had to go back, by the way, since I started that rule. They put a set on there, beautiful, go down the road. They left 60, 70, 80,000. I got 85,000 miles on set of tires on my truck last time. It's unbelievable for that heavy vehicle. So anyway, the importance of harmony. importance of one will so let me give some application to this even after salvation new christian in christ does not understand the ways of god you know that each of us each every one of us that gets saved we have our first steps just like a young child in the new life and we're kind of wobbly in our new life and somewhat apprehensive maybe in the new life in christ but god's plan is to prove you to build you uh to build faith in you according to his will and his plan uh, he will not just tell you, but he will prove you to be trustworthy by bringing some storms into your life. We're told, and you know this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. That's your will. Trust in the Lord, not your will. Uh, uh, Bob, he died died uh, ahead of you. Most of the time, uh, that's true that men die heavy. You live 96 years old. But it was time it was time for Bob to go. That was God's will. You say, oh, I'm lonely. It's hard to be by myself. Yeah, but that's God's will. In his moment, in his time, he takes Ben when he took Ben. It was God's will. Now, I know you say, well, I don't like that. Well, I didn't, you know, we don't always like God's will, but you think he's smarter than you are? you think he understands stuff that we don't understand? Do you think he's bigger, longer, down? You know, we're playing checkers. He's playing chess. He's five moves ahead of you. And he's, going to, and he's a good God, and he cares about you, and love you, and it's going to work its way out. And you're going to just trust in him. Don't get offended. Don't get beat up by it. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct thy paths. Commit this, thy way unto the Lord, and trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I believe it. You believe it? Well, if you believe it, do it. Mean, mean what you say. We must realize that God's method of maturing us is so we will not become bitter and disappointed to the point of sinning. God's way of teaching us. and this is where I'm at. I finally got to my slide here. God's way of teaching us. God will give you a vision in something in your life, and I'll explain what that is. Then he will cause that vision to die, oftentimes. To just raise up supernaturally, you will receive a revived vision and an enlarged vision bigger than the original vision. Now, I know you don't understand that. And why, how could you without some examples? So let me give you some examples. The followers of Jesus, his disciples, apostles, felt that the kingdom of God was immediately to come. Do you agree with that? Well, I'll tell you, you were right, Luke 19, 11. It says, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. See, they thought Jesus was going to whoop the old Romans the Democrats. He was going to whip the Democrats and he was going to humble them. Jesus uh, got arrested, beaten, crucified as a criminal. Their vision of the kingdom of God died with Jesus. Israel would not be saved from the Romans. They had a vision Israel would be saved. Jesus got crucified. That was the death of the vision. But three days after the death came the resurrection. That was a supernatural revival and enlargement of the original vision. Yes, God was going to make a kingdom, but it was bigger than just beat the Romans. He was going to beat the devil. He was going to take his kingdom and destroy the works of the devil through his shed blood on Calvary, and the death and resurrection. It was an, and it was an enlargement of the, of the vision, but it wasn't the vision they originally had. And he'll do that in your life and my life also. I think of Mary Magdalene, uh, was saved under Jesus' ministry. Uh, she's a woman, had seven demons. I've, I think I've met some women with eight demons. Uh, she, she may have heard the words, He that believeth in me shall never perish. Uh, she heard Jesus promise eternal life many times, I'm sure, in his ministry. He says, he that liveth and believeth me shall never die. Believest thou this? But Jesus was crucified and buried. He died. Death of a vision. Yet she thought he'd never die. She's at the tomb. Peter and John have left, seeing after they saw the empty tomb. Let me pick it up in John chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary stood without at a sepulcher weeping. What was she weeping about? death of her vision. Her Savior. Listen. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him tell demons to do whatever he told them to do. They obeyed. They asked permission. He saw them take a few fish and feed 5,000, probably 15,000, and a few fish and feed 12,000 or 4,000. He saw that. They saw him walk on water. They saw him take a storm and said, peace, be still. They understood who he was. What manner of man is this? Nothing could conquer Jesus, and it was an oxymoron almost when he got crucified, beaten as a common criminal, stripped naked, publicly, shamed as much as could be shamed. The Bible said beat more than any other man. Beard plucked out of his, He was unrecognizable probably other than he could still speak and evidently could see some. Death of a vision. Mary is weeping. She is weeping. Not crying. She's weeping. And she wept. She stood, stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see two angels in white sitting, one on at the head and one at the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain, And they say to her, Woman, Why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, but knew it not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? The angels ask her that question. Now Jesus asks that question. "Whom, Whom seekest thou? She's supposing him to be the gardener said to him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. That's all he said. If your mother was here tonight, you haven't, so many of you haven't seen your mother or heard your mother in a long time. But if your mother would say your name, you would know your mother. And you'll know it when Jesus says your name. My sheep, hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. They're not full of iniquity. They follow me. Their will is my will. And what you say, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. original vision was deepened miraculously deepened by the resurrection of the Lord Esther and Mordecai you remember that in the book of Esther the vision was that Jews was to be sustained by God in their captivity that was the original vision the death of the vision was a signing of irrevocable law by Haman to kill them the law of the Medes and Persians was not revocable when he signed that law to kill them that was it. That's the death of a vision. They were supposed to be protected by God in captivity. That's what the prophets had told them. And what was the, what was the renewed vision? The renewed vision was, as you know, Artaxerxes allowing Jews to defend themselves and actually prosper. And Ezra, Esther, excuse me, nine twenty-two. It says, in the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies. And the month was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy and sending portions one to another and giving gifts like we do at Christmas. The Jews ended up taking vengeance on their enemies. And people, the fear of the Jews came about over all of that kingdom. And Mordecai was promoted, man, to one of the top rulers of the whole nation was favorable to the Jews and people were favorable to the Jews because they had the fear of God fall upon them. How about Joseph? Joseph. He had a vision. His brothers would bow down to him, be in submission to him. His problem was you don't tell your brothers that. He was the baby, baby brother. He wasn't the baby, but he was close to being the baby. He was next to it. He was number 11. And so you don't go to your brother and say, hey, you know what? Someday you're going to be submissive to me and bow down to your older brother. They, they don't take that well. They don't take that well. They don't do well with that. And they didn't do well with it with Joseph. But that was a vision God gave him. He says, someday your brother's going to bow down to you. You're going to rule over him. And he goes, "Uh, oh, I'm going to tell my brothers this. Won't they be happy for me? Yeah, just about like my brothers would have been. So what's happened? Death of a vision, 13 years in captivity with, with, uh, with, with uh, leggings and irons that chafed him, the Bible says, and he, he had no, but remember, he didn't know the end of the story. This is one thing we get when we read the Bible sometimes, you know he's going to be delivered, but he did not know that. Every day he spent in prison, rotten in prison, in the best years of his life, 13 of the best years, from 17 years old to 30 years old. He spent in prison, pretty much. He had a little bit of out time. What was he doing? He was being trained to be the greatest man in the world, second greatest man in the world, most powerful individual in the entire, total power corrupts totally, unless you're humble. And what was God doing? He was doing boot camp on being humble. And Joseph really was a humble guy. Had he been proud, he'd have slaughtered them boys when they came to see him. But he didn't. He had no bitterness. How did he overcome bitterness? He believed God was going to work it out. That's the only way it's possible he could overcome bitterness. And The only way you're ever going to overcome bitterness is just to believe God's good, and somehow this is going to work its way out. I don't know how it's going to work its way out. I can't give answers on how it's going to work its way out. Neither could Joseph, but it worked its way out. He had a renewed vision. The last one I have, is is Moses. Moses. His mom and dad had a vision. They birthed a baby boy, a beautiful bouncing baby boy. And then the death of the vision was the Pharaoh said you got to kill every one of the boys and they put it little they made a little momma made a little basket for him, put it with pitch and tar and everything and put it out in the river where there were by the way alligators, crocodiles. That was a death to her. Imagine how it broke you women in here. Picture you taking your little baby, putting him, putting that little baby in that little boat and putting it out into the Nile River where the crocodiles, alligators, the baby cries. Death of a vision. What God do? That was the way God was going to get him to be the daughter of Pharaoh. And bigger than all of that, God said, "Find a wet nurse," and they paid mom to nurse her own baby. It don't get better than that. Not only did she get to keep her boy under orders of the pharaoh's daughter, but they got paid. She got paid probably pretty well for being the wet nurse for her own child. God, God can work stuff out that we can't dream. He can work out, but you got to trust Him. You had a vision, death of a vision. So God gives you a vision on something. Maybe maybe sickness comes or death will come, financial reversals come, betrayals come, seeming failures come. You just got to trust God and let him work his his plan. And by the way, his plan for me is not a plan for you. And your plan is not my plan. We got all different plans. God's going to let you work out We'll work out his will, but be in his will, whatever it is. Now, this is the uh, trusting God all the way. As I said in sickness and death of a loved one and financial reversals and betrayals, others seeming failures. God is doing a work to teach you to trust in him all the way home. Then my last is this. Does that look like your schoolroom? That better. That's Walt Disney's schoolroom. I went to Missouri. Tom and I went to this room. Tom and I went all, I forgot what city it was in Missouri. Monterey, Mon, Mon, Monsour, Moose. It was anyways. this was in Missouri. That's a, you say, and on that desk, that one desk is scratched his initials. Walt, I don't know what his middle initial was. Three initials, right? You say, how do you know it's his initials? Anybody could, could have done that. Yes, that's true. But when Walt came to the town, he went to that where they had the desk and they said, Is this your? Is this did you do this? And he said, I did this. It was verified by Walt Disney himself. That's one of the desks that he sat at and the kind of room he had not with the air conditioner though, no. that air conditioner had been put in later. But the steam heat, chalkboard, map of the United States, Canada, Mexico, world we used to have. A map. And look at the tile floor, those are nine by nine, those are not 12 by 12, those are nine by nine. And this asbestos tile. And we're not all dead. Okay. Father, thank You tonight for Your Holy Spirit. Thank You for the Word of God. Help our will to be Your will. In Jesus' name. Amen.